In your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to the second epistle of Timothy, second Timothy, and we'll be starting at chapter one. Um, today, I want y'all to stay now at the church. We're going to have a special baptism. And um, this is uh, quite a sight to see because I run ice water in the baptistry. <laughs> Hopefully, Brother Dennis, the hot water heater kicked in. Because I forget we always have to turn that thing on before you run the water, see? And I got a little bit of water in there first before I turned it on. I got I to I be square with you. But Morgan said she don't care. Cold water doesn't bother her a bit. So I told her to keep an eye on you, though. I didn't want you, I didn't want you going down in that cold water. So, uh, yeah, it felt pretty good from here. I just kind of looked at it. It looks warm. It looks warm. <laughs> but ain't y'all glad? Ain't y'all excited God's adding people to the church and this folks are getting saved and Holy Ghost is working in a membership. We're getting more people in. And, you know, the Lord is really blessed. It's like Dennis said, we just, we just stop and count our blessings at times. Uh, man, all them things that just seem to bother us just go away. They just, they just kind of filter out and fall by the wayside. We see how much God has blessed us as a church family. The count our blessings. And today that's basically what we're going to be reading about in Paul's letter to Timothy. Someone he has discipled and brought up in the ways of the Lord. Someone he has known since a youth. And has taken him in as his own son and discipled him. Man, would, that be, would you think that would be neat to have Paul for a teacher? To have Paul. Apostle Paul for a mentor. To be close enough he calls you son. You know? And I think every heart, every pastor, and every teacher that's taught, uh, their classroom is family. I mean, that's, they're, the people they teach are a family. And that's what Paul's talking about him. Timothy's not any blood kin to him, but he is family to him. He calls him son. But he exhorts Timothy here because Paul knows the days ahead are going to be rough. And so he brings Timothy up in a way that he has a little ruggedness to him. And he has a, a voice that's bold. Now, folks, when preachers stop getting boldness, and just want to be your buddy and hang out with you. They stop getting bold in the pulpit. It's time for them to leave. God's word should always be preaching authority. And even though we're to love one another, that should be the first one you come to with a problem. If you want prayer, I should be the first one you come to. Or Brother Dennis, whoever your leader is in that particular spot. Your Sunday school teacher. You know, someone you're with most of the time. Those are people you come to. But they should not ever lose their boldness and authority of Scripture. And I never lose. I was I was amazed that, and uh, when I seen Little Preston get up here and quote the scriptures, and quote God's words in the, in the books of the Bible, and I can remember back when I was his age, the teachers taught us, you didn't get no peanut butter and jelly, you didn't get no tuna fish sandwich, until you quoted that scripture. And that might sound rough, but hey, I got a lot of sandwiches because <laughs> I knew how to quote scripture, buddy. I could quote to you the whole epistle of John by memory. The old epistle of John, you know how long John is. I knew John by memory. And so I, I got a lot of 10 and 5 sandwiches. But let me tell you what, I had not forgotten those. I was Preston's age, he'll never forget what he's been taught, never. Now he may think he forgets it, when he, but when he recalls that, says, Lord, help me remember those scriptures, they'll come right back to him in those books of the Bible. He'll always use that as a testimony to Christ Jesus and believe in, and help him get a strong foundation in God's words. So don't be surprised. You see him on a billboard one of these days preaching the gospel. Say, or singing the gospel. Or picking and grinning like Brother Tex. But those things stay with you as you were taught when you were young. And especially the words of truth. The words of life. God's word. 
So Paul's exhorting Timothy here like he's exhorting us. Just, just think of him talking to us. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, by the love of his son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, and my forefathers, with pure conscience, and without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois. We got Lois. Y'all know Lois? Lois sitting on the back row. And she's one of those heroes of faith, one of those teachers. I was taught much by my grandmother before I even knew my mother taught me. My grandmother taught me. She sang the words of life in her kitchen every day. I can still remember her singing those wonderful praise songs and wonderful songs we sing here today. And she sang and had a memorized in her heart. But those things you don't forget as a young man, say. They, they, they stick in you and they mold and shape you into who you're supposed to be because they come from God. And I, first our grandmother Lois and then our mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in thee also the unfeigned faith. The unfeigned faith is um, a powerful faith. It means that nothing can sway it. You cannot be bribed. Now, folks, there ain't a whole lot of people today that cannot be bribed. Money talks. Like I say, money talks. And some of the best uh, pers- uh, best judges and lawyers and people in the workforce and people you'll meet that are just good people can be bribed. See, not being good don't keep you from being bribed. Say, unfeigned faith. Faith that does not rock. Faith, faith that is anchored in the solid rock, anchored deep. My father is a person who cannot be bribed. And I am a person who cannot be, cannot bribe me. Now, you may think you can with food. Now, you'll pacify me. You will pacify me and you'll give me joy with food. But I can't be bribed. And my daddy taught me that. Don't anybody ever bribe you. Once you've been bribed, you've been taken. It's just like Satan in the house. You owe them something from now on. And a man, a righteous man, had nothing to be brought. His yeas were yeas and nays were nays, and that's it. You don't have to say it twice. See, when you say no, you mean no. When you say yes, you mean yes. And they don't have to even double question you. That's, that's unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith is like the man who walked a tightrope over Niagara Falls. And he walked, walked a tightrope, and the man said, I have not seen faith like that ever in my life. You put your faith in that little bitty wire stretched out across that cavern. And that little stick you hold to balance you, and you walk across 2,000 feet above the water. You walk across that like it's another wind of wind and mist hitting you and from the falls, and anything can knock you off balance. And he said, no, I don't put my faith in that wire or the rod. I put my faith in the Lord. And he's what keeps me on the wire. He said, you believe I can go across here with 200 pounds in a wheelbarrow? And he said, oh, man, I don't know about that. He goes, let me try the wheelbarrow. He went across to the wheelbarrow and came back. The guys I've never seen, there was 2,500 people watching this man. He was a great circus. He was back in the 40s. He was a great circus trapeze man and tight walker. And he said, you think I can go across there with a wheelbarrow and 200 pounds in it? He said, man, I, I tell you, I got faith in you now. I've seen you did it. He goes, get in the wheelbarrow. Well, the guy didn't have that much faith, did he? He said, I ain't getting in that wheelbarrow. 
I, I ain't getting in it at all. You put 200 pounds of rocks in it. <laughs> so the man with the wheelbarrow had great faith, right? But the man that wouldn't, wouldn't get in the wheelbarrow, he didn't have great faith or common sense maybe. <laughs> but see, the man had unfeigned faith, the tightrope, the walk the tightrope. He knew that God was in control. And God would only take him when it's his time. And he, had, and he had assurance in God. That's unfeigned faith. It's un, if, you take, if you take something that's pure, spotless, without a wrinkle, just like Jesus Christ wants his church to be one day, without a spot or wrinkle, washing the blood of the Lamb. It doesn't mean it hadn't fell or fall. It doesn't mean it hadn't run people off. It doesn't mean it was always nice. It was mean at one time. But what it means is it's washed in the blood. Has its sins removed because of the blood of Christ Jesus. When you walk in this church, you feel the Holy Spirit at work. When you pray a song to God, you lift your hands and praise because you love Jesus. And you see folks around you lifting their hands and lifting their voices and praising God. That's what he's talking about. That's an unfeigned church. A church, yeah, it's been dumped on. It's had spots, wrinkles, has hurts, has scars. But it's all been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. So it's spotless in God's eyes. When God sees you, friend, when he sees you, loved one, he sees his righteousness, not ours. That's why he loves us. That's why he doesn't destroy us. Because we are carnally minded sinners, each and every one of us. We think worldly. We think carnally. And that's why he's saying here, to keep that unfeigned faith, Timothy. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of hands. Now laying on of hands is several different ways you can lay hands on people. We prayed together. We had about 10 men in the prayer room this morning. We all prayed together holding hands. We laid hands on each other. Each person in that room got a blessing from God because we held hands and prayed in agreement that God just blessed the service. And he has, and he always does. But God calls us to an extra step of faith. Sometimes it's laying on hands. Sometimes, yes, it's rubbing all on someone and then praying for them the Lord would heal them. It's not just praying for them. Sometimes it's fasting. That's what I have a problem. Fasting and then rubbing in them with all and then calling for the elders of the church to come up, and then they lay hands on them and pray for the person. Now, folks, that's three different sets of faith. The Lord had to show me that sometimes he calls us to a deeper step of faith, to, tr- to, try, to try us and see if we will follow him. So he called me to a person before, I've told y'all before, I went and prayed for a man who was dying. This was last, was last, last night on earth in that bed, possibly. And I had greasy old Gulfport diesel, uh, clothes on, jumpsuit with grease all over it. And I said, and the Lord told me, go pray for him now. And I am, I'm fighting this, folks. I don't even want to walk in the hospital with them greasy clothes on. The Lord said, just do it. I said, well, I don't have any, I don't have any anointing all. The Lord said, look in the glove compartment, you'll find something. Look in there, some Johnson's baby, Johnson's baby lotion, that's holy all. You pray over it, I'll bless it, and it'll work. And man, you're talking about something funny. Going in the hospital room, asking where Willie Graham's room is, and then having that Johnson's baby all sticking out of my pocket and grease all over me. When I got there, folks, he said, why hadn't you come earlier? He said, I was already praying for you to come. I'm worried about Benny. He said, he wants healing. He don't care if I'll come there with three quarts of old grease and pour it on top of him. You understand? God told me to take anointing all, which I've never done before. And, hey, rub it on his belly where he had the cancer. My goodness. I'm looking at his wife like, I hope you're going along with this. You pray too? It's going to look funny. It's going to look funny. I'm going to look like an idiot, Lord, I know. And he said, just do what I told you to do. I'll do my part and you do yours. 
And so I said, Lord, Brother Well, this is annoying, y'all. She said, it'll work. It'll work. And uh, I <clears throat> put my hands on his belly, rubbed all on his belly. Smelt real good. Johnson Bay Lotion always smells good. And Amy put her hand on, his, on top of my hand. We prayed, Lord, heal him. Folks, never seen this ever happen ever again. But the power of God was running through me. <clears throat> through the top of my head, down through my arms and shoulders and back. And you can feel the healing going through to Willie. See, Willie's faith, Willie's faith <clears throat> his faith was unfeigned. My faith, my faith was still questionable because I, God was trying me. I knew God could heal him, but I could stay at home and pray for him and God would heal him. God said, I ain't going to heal him like that. He's going to have to lose 150 pounds and be on his deathbed. And they said, we can't feed him nothing. We can't reach him. Doctors didn't give up on him. There's no way in hell he's getting out of this mess. Hell's going to take him. I said, you can't have him because his soul's already been redeemed. And I said, cancer, you can't have him because the Lord has placed in my heart is to be obedient and he's going to heal him. And somehow I knew that in my mind and Willie already knew it. And two hours later, brothers and sisters, he was eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> two hours. He was eating a cheeseburger and I ate nothing but cream of wheat for four months. It was given to him in a syringe. He's eating a cheeseburger, folks. Two hours later, the next day he walked out of the hospital, completely healed. No sign of cancer, folks. He had cancer from his esophagus to his stomach. One more night to live to get things right. And God called, oh, oh I couldn't even you know, work even on a diesel motor. I didn't know what I was. But I had a diesel, I had a friend that was a pastor there, and he prayed with me and said, go. And do what God told you to go, to do. Don't question him. Don't ask nobody else, just go and do it. And so I was faithful. And now God has given me the unfeigned faith because I did that. You understand what I'm talking about? Even though I didn't understand it, I didn't know, I didn't know what God was going to do. I knew it, but I just, he said, believe what I tell you. I just need to go and do it and be faithful. And he blessed me for it. And now since then, I've laid hands on many people. And many people have been healed by the power of God. And so, folks, what I can tell you to do with this, what Paul is saying, is don't ever lose that faith. You may come into a situation in life where you think you're beat down to nothing and you're no good for nothing. That's just a lie from Satan. You ask God to forgive you. And from that time on, I'm going on and I'm marching with the cross on my shoulder. I'm heading towards Zion and nothing's going to get in my way. I'm following my Lord, my Savior. Regardless of what man says, I don't care what man says. I got the word of God telling me what I should be doing. I got people who love the Lord praying for me. And I'm an honorable Christian soldier. And I'm marching to Zion, people. And I'm taking hell out and bringing heaven in. I'm casting down vain imaginations. And I'm calling on people of the Lord to stand fast with me. I'm a soldier of the cross. And so these things do not get in my way. And if my life is taken, I will still trust in thee. Lord God Almighty, where all the healing comes from. He's saying, keep the faith, Timothy. Keep the faith. Carry on with what I taught you. And therefore, put in there remembrance. And don't forget to lay on hands when God tells you to lay on hands. You don't have to do this all the time. When God tells you to do it, He tells you to go visit someone, you go visit them. You don't wait two weeks. You go visit them. You know, God lays people in our hearts. Whenever the heart call them, visit them. Do something where you check up on them. Let them know that just tell them you're their love. And it'll make their day. I went over to visit Brother Arnie Temple, and Brother Arnie Temple was not doing good at all. His, his weight's really... But God called me to go visit him for three weeks, and I put it off. 
And if I weigh three more weeks, Brother Underwood might have been gone. Dead and gone to heaven. He's gone to glory because he's a good Christian. But if I'd have missed out on that visit, I'd have been miserable. I wouldn't have liked it at all. So I went and visited him. And he lifted me up more than I did him. See, we have some things we need to discuss. God called him from your church to go get me, to call me into the ministry here. So God used him as a vessel. So I had to tell him no matter what went on, what happened, any fights, any types of arguments we ever had, which I didn't. But I said, I want everything to be like clean slate here, Brother Ernie. And we prayed together and cried together. And I cried and I asked the Lord to heal him. And he, he understand what ultimate healing was. He's ready to go home and be in glory. He's ready for that. He's ready for the Lord to take him right now. But he has a lot of pain in his body. But we reconciled together. And I'm glad I got to pray with him that prayer. Because I may not ever get a chance to see him again until we get to glory. But those things God places on your heart, do them. Don't question anybody. Don't go ask anybody else. Just do them. And he'll, he, will, he will give you a great blessing for that. And he'll be glorified. Be therefore not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, praise God, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He had already predestined us, folks, to come to him. Mike predestined Mike to come to him one day. Predestined Gary and Gerald and Dennis. He predestined the men, Brother Tex. He predestined us to come. He knew us before we were ever formed. It had a purpose and a plan for us. That's hard to find. That's hard to lock into, folks. See, I don't know that I like a cheeseburger until I put my teeth in the middle of it. Now, I know I like cheeseburgers, okay? But I didn't know I like cheeseburgers until I put my teeth in the first one that I ate. Now, people say, this is really good and it smelled good. But until I got my teeth into one and actually tasted all that lettuce and tomato and onion and meat all come together, then I loved it. Man, I really want I want another one, right? One another and over and over and over. And onion rings and big old thick chocolate malt to go with it. I mean, man, that, you know, you can sit, you can sit there and watch somebody and say, this is really good. Y'all, it looks good. Uh, well, do you want, uh, yeah, I want to buy it. Yeah. You know, now I can really know that I like it. I'm, I like it, right? Make not even make these. Hey, it just takes more than to fill me up. Okay. But you don't know if you like it until you try it. And what Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here, you've had his holy calling and his grace is built into you. And God has, has made and created your body magnificently to withstand anything. Not only your body, but your soul and your spirit and your character. See, when we're made in God's image, folks, we weren't just made in fleshly in God's image. He made it spiritually in his image. Adam had the image of God, folks. The spirit of God Walk with Adam until he sinned. He he walked with God as one of God's very own, perfectly. Just imagine mentally, physically, and emotionally, God's heart. And Eve had that too before they sinned. And they lost that. Folks, imagine losing that. That make you just a crusty old person right the first day. See, they lost their joy because God had given them that. And they had that forever, and they lost it because they sinned. But God made a way out because of Jesus Christ. He said, because of his purpose given to us, he already had manifested this before the beginning of the world. He knew it would become so ungodly 
And we become so wicked that he's going to have to destroy us again. It's like he did in the days of Noah. People were so wicked back then that he was going to have to destroy them. But he left a remnant. He knew that we would do this again. But he'd always leave a remnant. And he'd leave a remnant called the Christians. And so whatever this world goes through before we're taken up and raptured, we may have to go through some things with this world because this world is against God. And the more we go out and the more we testify of our Lord and Savior and bring those around, the more we'll take with us. See, folks, I don't want to be on that second boat. I want to be on the first boat out of here. That second boat's going to be beaten and torn and blown half away apart. The first boat is the rapture of the church. That's the one we want to be. We want to be on that gospel ship heading out and load up as many people as we can to go with us. But it's now made manifest. He said this has been, since the beginning of the world, is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus, who hath abolished death, has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For which cause also suffer these things, nevertheless, am not ashamed. And this right here, y'all need to write this down in your hearts. Just like Preston memorized those books, you write this down in your hearts. But I don't want anybody here ever doubt your salvation. Because once you're saved, you're always saved. And nothing can take that from you, no matter what you go through. You can deny Christ and still be saved. You understand that? Once you're saved, you can say, Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. Jesus, I ain't about you anymore. I saved you with my blood. I claim you, whether you claim me or not. No matter how mad you get at me, or how mad you go for you go from me, I'm still the shepherd. And I shed my blood for you in your sorry, rascal self. Because you don't praise me, you're still safe. I've seen the people do not act safe. They're grumpy as they can be. They're still safe because you know what? They give their heart to Jesus one day. They may come from him, but if he cannot save you, nobody can. And once he saved you, you're always saved. Now mark this down in your heart. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, if he can't keep your salvation, folks, nobody can. You place that in his hands, not yours. Jesus told Peter one day, he said, you feed my sheep, Peter. And Peter said, oh, yes, Lord, I will. But what about John? He's always leaning on you and hugging on you. What is he supposed to do? Because, you know, what are you going to tell him? I want to hear you get on to him, too. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, hey, you don't worry about him. You worry about you. You worry about what I told you to do, okay? He said, if I want John to live till I come back, he will. See, folks, Jesus said, each and every person, when you commit to me, it's in my hands in that divine grip of God. Nothing will pry those fingers apart. We're in the divine grip of God as a church family. And Satan can buffet that hand all he wants. He can beat on that hand and try to get in there and pry those fingers up. But the divine grip of God keeps his hedge in the cleft of a rock. And he covered us there with his hand. And nothing in this world, you may think something's beating you down, but you can never lose your salvation. Folks, you can tell Satan all day long, you may sift me like wheat. You may put thorns in my flesh. You may do all kinds of things. I may lose my friends. Because of the testimony that I have in the Lord Jesus, because I have put this in his hands, I am signed, sealed, and delivered, folks, into glory. And nothing's going to get in between. And that's why nothing should ever get in between you and your relationship with your Lord. Nothing. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about husband and wife. Listen to me. I'm talking about servant. You serve nobody outside the Lord. Lord and serve first. Because he is the Alpha and Omega and he's your Lord and Savior.
And he is what, he is what, the best part of you is him. And so when you serve him first, everything else comes, holds together. Your marriage, the church family, your relationship with other people, he's the glue that holds you together. So remember, he is first. And he's ordained this. He tells Timothy to keep the faith. Don't, don't be slaggered. Don't be, you may, you may get, you may get beaten down. You may get knocked down, but get back up, dust yourself off and press on again. Get your head down and get your legs kicking and move forward. Don't let things keep you down. You can't keep a good man down. Jesus told us, told us that. Apostle Paul taught us that. Jesus defeated the grave, death, and hell. Apostle Paul was beaten, dragged out of town, left for dead. And they were joking about, yeah, we beat him up pretty fast and killed him, didn't we? And no longer when they turn their backs, he gets up. It's already healed. And you imagine the disciples saying, well, they just beat the stew out of Paul. Now he's not even have any marks on him. He's going back to preach again tomorrow. Man, that's what the Lord's saying. You dust yourself off. I'm already there. I'm already picking you up. The Lord said, I'm already there. The Holy Spirit's already picking you up. Don't let people leave so deep with scars. And, and some people are bad with their tongues. I like my, my dear Aunt Mary, she got one of the best sayings. She said, I'd like to buy this man for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth, and I'd be a millionaire. And people are like that. Their tongues, there's just some people are just, are just bad, just evil, because they don't know the Lord yet. They don't know the Lord yet, I say. To hold fast. Verse 13, hold fast a form of sound words which thou hast heard of me and faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, you hold fast the doctrine that you were taught. Anybody said, hey, we got something new we found. Uh-uh, you ain't got nothing new. God said there ain't nothing. God's the only one that said I'm doing a new thing. Amen? I am doing a new thing. I had the Old Testament and now I'm doing a new thing with Christ Jesus. And since then, folks, 2,000 years ago, it's all new. But not anything on this earth happens that God doesn't know about. And there's nothing new that comes into this. Matter of fact, the churches who add to this book or that take away from this book have a curse. And God said, you do not take away or add to those books. And Revelation tells you there's a curse to those that do. But he says, keep this faith and love and keep this doctrine of faith. Our church has a doctrine right here on the board. Our church covenants, more or less what we believe, what we live by. That's our church. Come up and read it. That, and everything in that covenant right there is from God's word right here. It should always be. The covenant should be man agreed and God made. Amen. Agreed upon men and women and God made. Church covenant. The mission of Christ Jesus. But that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit which dwelleth in us. He's saying that if you want to keep something, if you want to keep that unfeigned faith, if you want to keep that relationship, vibrant relationship with the Lord, you want to keep that fresh and new? So you keep in touch with the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one I've sent to you and, and charges, empowers you. And he actually does the winnowing spirit in you, hones and shapes and molds you the shape of Christ Jesus. You know why? Because he is Christ Jesus himself. He is, he is Christ Jesus paraclete, it says. He is the same as Christ Jesus, except for he was not in the flesh. He's in the spirit. He is God's Holy Spirit. He is Christ Jesus' spirit. And he is a person, a real person, folks. He's not an it or that or what. He's a real. The Holy Ghost deals more with us than anything. He's our best friend. He's the one that persuaded you to trust Christ in the first place. He's the one that persuaded you that you as a reprobate sinner needed God's love in your life. And he's the one who still, I call him, I call him the hound of heaven. 
and that's nothing derogatory, nothing. That's a good thing because he sicks them. When you pray the Holy Spirit on someone, he sicks them, buddy, until they get right. And he doesn't let up. He doesn't give up. He keeps out to that person until he, until he gets an answer from them. And he'll keep on them as long as we pray. And he's also the one that picks us up. He is a, a mother's side of God. The attributes of a mother who nurses her children, who comforts you, who doctors your sores, who mourns when you mourn, cries for you when you're crying, cries with you, and translates those words to God Almighty. And let me tell you what, folks. When, when, a lot, when the evil world hurts you, beats you down, and you cry out to God, don't think ain't nothing going on. He answers that immediately. It's in his perfect timing when something happens. Remember, it's God's timing, not ours. But when you cry, he's already, he has aroused folks from his throne. And he has already sent in condemnation and judgment. Now, we have a bad thing about putting God on a timeline. And we place God in a, in a box a lot of times. We put him over here and put him in a box. And I'll let you out when I can't handle this, or I'll let you out and you sick him. And that's the wrong way of looking at anything because... Yeah, I've seen a, this church next door to us had a sign uh, before the sign they put up this time, which is a good sign too. But the other one said, "If uh, he said if God is your po- is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat." But it's uh, that, that, that's a lot of truth in that because you see, sicker say God is my co-pilot. It's wrong. He's a pilot. <laughs> he's the one in charge. We're to join him, and his why he's already working. So yeah, God is a pilot. We're the co-pilots. And Apostle Paul, what he's telling us to do in these scriptures here. That he's persuaded. He's already, man, Satan can't touch Paul. Paul's walking. He's refined. He's ready to be poured out of the drink off him, he said. He's ready for his blood to spill out on the ground and go on to glory. He's done his work. He's saying, Timothy, more or less, I'm just passing you the torch. I've run my race. He said, I've run it with perseverance. I fought the good fight. And now what I'm doing is handing you everything that I know I'm passing down to you to be used in the gospel of Christ Jesus. And he said, what I want you to do is carry that torch until you get to the next person. And you press on and keep the faith. And when you hear this new doctrine going around, this new thing, it's this universalism and things. That, and see, you folks, there in a place and time that just as evil as we are right now. Just as evil as we are. With 1,500 different, 1,500 different religions just in Houston, Texas. 1,500 different religions. And California's got more like 2,500 different religions who would call themselves a church or, or sanctity of people. He said, you hold tight to the faith, the doctrine. You go to church and they do not lift the inerrant word of God up, right here, infall- infallible inerrant word of God, don't stay there alone. You do not belong there. You do not need to be there. If they don't use the word of God... And I say King James, but well, I preach from the King James. But there's several translations. You get the translation that's closest to this one, right here. And you anchor your soul in it. And you know it. So when someone asks you a question, you can answer them back and they can't get you in a, in a bind. You know God's word enough to go to it and say, let's see what God's word has. Because Jesus never, ever fought anybody or took on any confrontation, including Satan, without what? It is written. It is written. Use the word. Deuteronomy more than any of them. But it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Man, I mean, Satan had no chance. Satan was, Satan was an idiot. Satan come down to battle the word of God, which is Christ Jesus, with the word of God, which he misinterpreted. 
And Jesus even corrected him. But Satan at one time was God's most valiant angel. Minister of music in heaven, folks. But guess who what? Who gave him that, who gave him that gift? God Almighty gave him that gift. Who knows music more than anyone? God Almighty. But he was so full of proud, proudness, pride, and it, and, it, and it swelled up in him. He wanted to be higher than the most high. That's where he messed up. Because when, that, when, that, when God gives the angels volation of will like he gives us, we're going to say yay or nay. And as soon as we say nay, we start dying. We start death, eternal death. And God said, I give you a choice. But I'm telling you, the best choice is here. The best choice is the way of the cross, folks. That's the only choice, really, to have eternal lives. I must needs go by the way of the cross. There's no other way but that way. Amen? Let's pray. Father, give you glory and victory today, Father. We thank you, Lord, for lifting our hearts, lifting our souls up to you, Father, in song and in prayer and the study of your word and the preaching of your word. And, Father, I pray today that someone was touched by this sweet message, Father, you've given us in this and this charge verse, Father, to press on the faith, to keep the faith, to keep your covenant, Father, alive in our hearts, and your precious Son, to keep him close, and to proclaim him, not be ashamed of the gospel, Father. Thank you so much that that privilege and honor you give us to do that, Father, the voice with our mouths in public, the wonderful works of Jesus, and to let people know that we've been saved, and we've been born again, and we're sanctified by your Holy Spirit, Father, each day do that work that you call us to do. But Father, we give you praise today and to be with those today. For someone here who does not know Jesus is Lord and Savior, today could be the day for them. And Father, we just pray that you'll minister to their heart today to make that decision today, Father. We'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.